This evening on Where the Road Takes Me, we begin the first of a two-part programme. From the north side of Cork City, we bring you the story of one of its famous and proudest sons. The story of John O'Shea, affectionately known as the Singing Fireman. Welcome, right now, to part two in programme one. Oh, the fox went down on a chilly night. He begged for the moon to give him light. He'd many, many miles to go that night before he reached the town of... Town oh, town oh, he'd many, many miles to go that night before he reached the town oh. He ran till he came to a great big bin where the ducks and the geese are feathering. One of you will grieve my chin before I leave this town oh, town oh, town oh. One of you will grieve my chin before I leave this town oh. Now he grabbed the grey goose by the neck He threw the goose across his back He didn't mind the quack, quack, quack The legs all dangling down, oh Down, oh, down, oh He didn't mind the quack, quack, quack The legs all dangling down, oh Oh, Miss Tripper Flapper jumped out of bed And out through the window she popped her head Saying, John, 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 the grey goose is gone the fox is on the town, oh, town, oh, town, oh. John, 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 the grey goose is gone and the fox is on the town, oh. Well, he ran till he came to his cozy den. There were the little ones, eight, nine, ten. They said that ah, they better go back again. It must be a mighty fine town, oh. Town, oh, town, oh, they said that you better go back again, it must be a mighty fine town, oh. Well, the fox and his wife, without any strife, ate up the goose without a fork or knife. They never had such a supper in their lives, and the little ones chewed on the bones, oh, bones, oh, bones, oh. They never had a supper in their lives, and the little ones chewed on the bones, oh. John O'Shea, the singing fireman, with a song called The Fox and the Hare. Well, as Jimmy Crowley said earlier, John O'Shea was a difficult man to avoid, and I'm so glad that I didn't. So, if you were involved in the music business, you were bound to meet him at some stage, if you'll pardon the pun. Along with other singers and musicians, John was part of what was akin to a team. There was John himself, Sean O'Shea, Bill O'Connell, Anne O'Brien, Teresa Griffin, and John White, who did summer residency with John for 23 years in Dunmore House Hotel. In fact, John White was a sprightly young fella of 18 years of age when he remembers meeting the singing fireman for the first time. We were doing a summer season there. It lasted 23 years, actually. And um, every Tuesday night from summer season, from the 1st of May until about the second last week of October. That's how long the summer was at then. But I heard John singing in the, in, in the city hall, God, I suppose, when I was about 14. And I didn't meet him that night, but quite honestly, he was a fantastic singer. And to me, John was a storyteller. He would tell you a story through a song, but he would also tell you a story travelling in the car. And he could tell you... The next fact is, if you had John in here for two hours in the studio, he would entertain you for two hours, himself alone, you know? I often felt that we travelled quite a bit together. And 
the stories he would have would be so funny that it was worse than drunk drunk driving <laughs> or drink drink driving I should say yeah. you know yeah. uh, because you'd be in you'd be uh, cracking up laughing you know and were they songs about the north side or were they songs about uh, his time in the fire brigade or, or they both were, or they, not there were songs there were songs I suppose they were everyday songs we did there were songs about the north side the, the, the boys of Fair Hill which was well John was the first man I ever heard singing the boys of Fair Hill and the armoured car of course was was, was fantastic fantastic mm-hmm. song you know I suppose the first song I ever had him singing was um, uh, Married by the Bible I think it was Bend at the time from the radios as far as I know but Johnny was singing anyway and, and he was making a beautiful job of it you know that's a very very old song as well um, I had one favourite he was singing um, that was uh, Off to Philadelphia in the Morning oh yeah I remember that one yeah you know yeah. it's just beautiful as if as if he was going off himself that was the storyteller in him you know most people just learn the words of a song and sing it. But this wasn't quite enough for John O'Shea. To John, every song started with a story, and that story was just as important as the song itself. Tony O'Shea says that it was usual for people to ask his father to tell us a song, which meant that the story behind the song was also requested. It was, yeah, it was, and he'd get the background story of a song before he'd perform it, and he might he might do a little little story on it. He'd always get a bit of history about the song, like he'd never sing a song cold, and you know he'd just he'd um, he'd get a bit of um, background information about it, and then he'd sing it, like the Armour Car, like the Boys of Fairhill, like Lloyd George, you know, Salonica, all those songs could tell you the story about him and who who wrote the songs and when he wrote them, you know. So that was all part of his makeup and part of his his heritage, really. You know, he passed it on to me and. Uh, and uh, you know a lot of people around around him, you know, and uh, I enjoyed uh, listening to him singing those songs when I was a young young kid, and and I'm singing those songs today my, today myself, you know. Oh, come all you fine men, and around me attend, I pray listen to my song. You must appreciate a hound so great when to the sport that you belong no land nor title did he ever own and he cared not for who you were he was born he was bred by the boys of fair hill he was known as the armored cow Thanks to you I will disclose He had a check-proof nose So he never would lose the hunt He had steel-padded paws And as for his claws Every nail was like an iron bar And from one mile to ten He would never give in if you ran him from here to Castle Bar, it's small wonder, gentlemen, that the boys of Fair Hill used to call him the Armored Cow. In 1921, when he started to run, having surveyed the country around, he sent a sworn declaration to the Harrier Association that he cared not for man, hair, or hound. 
And he swore there and then that if he didn't win, to Fair Hill he would never repair. And I'm sure the British fleet, they would have to retreat from Diley's old armoured car. On the green hills of Granobrar, he first declared war on his terrible southern foe. When they thought he was done from the heat of the sun, that the armor on fire it would go. Oh, the crowd on Blandy Rock, should they got such a shock when shone out the evening star? Who should be coming to the front and he leading the hunt? Only Diley's old armored car. At the Battle of Waterloo, and you all know this is true, how he kept the enemy low. From the finish to the start, he broke the blarney dog's heart. From the flanks, he kept them afar. Coming down Scriven's farm, they raised the alarm. Saying, I wonder where the hounds are. Oh, it is time to finish up. There goes the Sprat's cop to Diley's old armored car. Now, here is my plan, and around Meditar, and we'll drink in the bonds of love. Here's to every hand that mine can expand. Here tonight and gone to heaven above. Here's to every hound that can know the ground, no matter how near or how far. It would be funny, dial's delight, if every hound here tonight had the heart of the armored cow. A famous song from the north side of Cork City, written by Sean O'Callaghan, and all about Connie Doyle's dog, the armored car. It was sung, of course, by the singing fireman, John O'Shea. Well, John had many talented strings to his bow. His son Tony said that he had also written a book entitled Cork's Red City. It's a book of short stories. He first wrote um, stories for the Inside Cork magazine and he was only supposed to write five or six short stories. My niece was the ed- editor for the magazine and she she asked him one day to write a couple of short stories and it were done to about 30 or 40 and then somebody asked him you should put those into a book, which he did. The, the name The Red City came from the red roof tiles on the on the houses in Guanabara. You could see the red, tile, the red roofs from the city and somebody questioned it one day. They said, what's that up there? And they said, that's the Red City. That's the roof tiles and the, and the houses in, in Grand. So that's how it came to be. He took the name from that. Any particular reason why he chose the, the fire brigade as his permanent career? Was it in the family? Any history of it in the family? Or, or was it something he always wanted to do? There was a history in the family. My father's uncle was uh, was in the fire brigade and uh, he knew he knew him um, and he, was, he often spoke about how he loved the job. He was a man called Billy Ring 
and um, my grandmother was part of that family, the Ring family. So it came to be that my father, there was a, a position came up and my father was asked would he like to, to join and he did. And he loved it from the first day he went in the door, he loved the fire brigade. And that was part of his life. There was a couple of funny stories actually in the fire brigade. When he joined first, he brought his guitar in on, on the night shift again and annoyed people in there too, you know. <laughs> they were so all hoping for a call out, I they suppose. They were all hoping for a call out, yeah. yeah uh, actually, one, one funny story was um, he was uh, sharing a room with, with these two guys and um, my father was asked to do a charity gig one night when he was on duty. And that time you had to wear a dress suit to the to the gig. So my father got a bit of time off from his shift and um, he got into his dress suit and headed off. But when he came back, it was dark. It was late at night and it was dark. So that time you could go to bed inside after 12 o'clock. You could put your head down in the room. But there was two beds. There was three beds in the room, his own bed and two more. But he, he had to wear the dress suit. So he took off the, the pants of the dress suit. And at, at the time, there was a kind of a, a satin stripe down the side of That's the dresser right, pants. Yeah, yeah. So he took off the pants and put it up on top of the chair. But he had his own fire brigade pants alongside of it, like to go. So the lads got a call during the night, an ambulance call. And my father was driving the ambulance. And when he got down to the call, he looked around and his attendant, which was one of the guys in the room, was wearing the dress suit pants. <laughs> <laughs> And he looked at it, and he looked at me far, and he says, "Oh my God!" I'm <laughs> Can you imagine what the patient? I'm taught? just going to say the patient wasn't been impressed anyway. But <laughs> this evening on Where the Road Takes Me, we bring you the first of a two-part program, which tells the story of John O'Shea from Cork City's north side. John was affectionately and widely known as the Singing Fireman. Born in Ballymacthomas, close to the Bells of Shandon in 1933, but John lived almost all of his life in Gronabraher. He passed away five years ago on the 15th of February 2018. Today, family and friends have gathered together on the programme to pay tribute to him. We hear how he was mainly known for his entertaining, which he was, but his legacy stretched far beyond that. Join me for part three in programme one, and that's in just a few moments.